Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast Live. I am your host, Chris Patrick. It is October 18th, 2023, a beautiful Wednesday here in Arizona. We'll be bringing you all the best Arizona sports and pop culture, probably mostly Arizona sports, but at Valley Sports Plug, we like to bring you the fan perspective. And joining me this evening are my beautiful co-hosts, VSP Tallman and Mr. Michael Benjamin. What's going on, guys? What up? What up? Oh, man. I know we got a lot of things on our plate tonight, but I don't know about you guys. Kyler Murray's back at practice. I'm just freaking hyped, right? Because I got to get hyped for something after the Diamondbacks in Philadelphia. So, But excited. Excited. Tallman, how you doing, man? Doing good, fellas. I can't believe my name got announced before yours. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> moving up the rankings, buddy. I know, that's, right? That's top right corner privilege for you. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I should do these things more often, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a great, great time to be Arizona sports fan. Holy shit, there's a lot going on. It surely has its ups and downs, but guys, plenty to talk about tonight. I've been chomping at the bit to get on here and talk about it all. This is the first live stream we've done in the month of October, our first since t- since September 28th. Mike, I think you had posted that uh, it's been recaptober for us lately, uh, recapping every single Cardinals game. We were recapping bi-weekly the Diamondbacks regular season as they kind of went through it, and then they made the postseason, so we decided, fuck it. Let's do a recap of every single postseason game as we had done with the Suns. And boy, it's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. And uh, man, it's been a lot of fun watching the Diamondbacks, guys. I think we got to start just right there. Um, Anyone listening in live or or listening back a little later on, we'll be talking about the Cardinals, of course, and the start of their season, one and five. Like Mike said, Kyler Murray coming back, Buda Baker at practice today, it sounded like. So maybe heading in the right direction, things could be looking up, but we we still know what this team is. Uh, guys, but we also got to talk about the Suns. Their season is right around the corner. I think getting uh, started there next week, next Tuesday, is it, Mike? Next Tuesday, October 24th. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly don't know if I'm ready for basketball, guys, which is like the first time in a long time. But that's because, man, like Tolan said, it's been a great time to be a Valley fan, man. Everybody's rolling. Even though the Cardinals are struggling, we knew that was going to happen. It's just great to see football back in action, man. There's been some great early games from the NFL season to start, too. And some heartbreaks for a lot of teams around the NFL. But I'm ready, baby. I'll figure out how to get ready. Once once I actually get to a game, then I think it'll all set in. Yeah, I agree. And especially once baseball season is officially done and over with, then you can you can focus all your energy on two sports teams again. Three three can be a lot to juggle, but let's let's start right there, guys, with the MLB postseason. Diamondbacks winning their wild card series, sweeping the Brewers, winning their NLDS appearance, sweeping the Los Angeles Dodgers in three games. But now I've kind of hit a bit of a roadblock here on our train to the World Series. Uh, they've dropped two straight to the Philadelphia Phillies to start this uh, NLCS. And guys, man, uh, five to three felt felt a little uh, uneasy, but still optimistic. 10-0 last night was the final score. Tallman, uh, what's your uh, what's your outlook for uh, game three and four? Are you, are you still riding high or are you a little uh, pessimistic now? <laughs> oh, I'm going to be riding pretty low on this one, fellas. I, man... You look at the Phillies lineup, 
they got they have some big names. They have some actual superstars in their lineup. Don't get me wrong. We got great players on our team as well, but we don't have that actual superstar. We don't have that Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, a Schwarber, right? Like the reason why I'm riding really low is I I just think we're outmatched with this team. I mean, the firepower on that team is incredible. I mean, that's that's a really, really good baseball team. And you can see they are just rolling and they are playing with ton of confidence. And we saw in game two, Dimebacks, not so much confidence. So they're, they just came in. It's almost like that team's made for this moment. Right. And they were so close last year. Remember they were in the world series. They were, they had to go through a wild card spot. I think they were one of the last teams to get into the playoff and then they rolled their way all the way to the world series and ended up losing. So this year, I don't know. It feels like maybe it's their year. And sometimes you run into those teams in the postseason where it's just, it's their year. And that's where I'm kind of at. I just think our, our roster's not quite there. I mean, we could talk for another half hour about is this season still a success because we made it. We're one of four teams left. Absolutely. I think the Dimebacks outperformed expectations, even did it in the playoffs, going cutting off five straight wins, going through the wild card and the NLDS. But right now I'm looking at game three, game four, and I'm kind of regretting buying tickets for game four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I'm no going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my fucking voice. I'm going to scream my ass off, but it's, it's looking, it's looking tough for us right now, guys. Yeah. We were talking about that last night, the game three tickets, it's a weird two Oh seven start time on a Thursday. So tickets are actually fairly cheap. I think I was seeing them as low as 15 bucks a pop. And a lot of people were reading into that as like, Oh, Nobody wants to go see the Diamondbacks. They've already given up hope. But, guys, it's 2 o'clock on a Thursday. Like, they just want fans in that arena when it's not – or stadium, whatever you call it, when it's not $100 a pop for an evening game. Like, Mike, do you think it's more wanting to fill the stands? Or are we are, are the fans really giving up this quick? No, it's not. The fans are excited as much as they can be. I mean, we're talking about the first time that we've been in the NLCS in 16 years. I mean, if you have the opportunity to go – you're going to try everything as long as it fits within your budget. But, dude, people got nine to fives. I mean, like I was talking with you guys. I was like, shoot, the tickets are so low. Let's try and see if we can figure out a way to go tomorrow. But I got to work like it's just you got to give people the opportunity to maybe call out, maybe call in sick. And then also, you know, spend that extra money because we also know, yeah, $12 tickets turns into 40 pretty fast on SeatGeek or all these other websites, you know, but I, it was funny. I was getting into not, okay. Not really getting into it with somebody in a, a Facebook post about the, the ticket prices right now. <laughs> and I said, I, they, the same kind of thing. It's like, they just want people to be there. Like you got to have a packed house for the NLCS. It can't be like the Miami Marlins in the first round where they have maybe 15,000 people there and there's just so many empty seats like we got to have a decent showing and then the guy hit me back up and he's like tickets for $35 on Friday and I was like oh shit man got him yeah kind of put me in my place a little bit right there but the really cheap tickets we're seeing for tomorrow is definitely because that game is right in the middle of the afternoon man that's a tough one that's a tough one to get out for anybody 
Yeah, no, I'm right. I'm right there with you. Either way, um, I'm sure even if I'm work, or I'm not. I'm not going to be working, obviously. But if you guys are working, I'm sure you guys will be tuning in, uh, keeping tabs if you can. Um, yeah, man. The that that aside, Tom, and you mentioned the confidence of the Phillies right now, and it's just oozing. Like you see, they they come up to the plate, they crank their home runs, and they're just swaggered out. And kind of one through nine, all those guys can hit, and it seemed like that's kind of the the track the Diamondbacks were looking like they were on through the first five games of the postseason, as far as having a ton of confidence riding high. And it seemed like it was, what's that classic saying? It's when the uh, unstoppable force meets an immovable object. I don't know who wins, but apparently it's the Phillies, whichever one they are in that metaphor. Uh, It's just when we really break it down, what's been like the biggest shortcoming of the Diamondbacks? Is it the way the starting pitchers have just fallen flat on their face and gotten cranked left and right is it the bats not producing only having what seven hits through the first two games or is it like kind of a combination of all of it just crumbling at once well obviously it's a combination of it all crumbling at once but uh, i think mostly it's going to be it's what we're doing on offense right now because if you want to pinpoint just starting pitching i mean merrill kelly did an okay job in game two you know he kept us in a position to win that game I mean, we've seen these D-backs all year come back from four or five run deficits, even against uh, the Brewers in the wild card. I mean, we were down 3-0 and 2-0, right? I I don't remember exactly, but we were faced with uh, needing to put together a comeback to ultimately win those games. So Merrill Kelly gets you to the six. He gives up that that second home run to Schwarber. It's still a 3-0 game. You know, that's definitely in reach. You get two guys on and then swing of one swing of the bat, that game's tied. So he pitched a good game. So really what it is, is he pitched a good game, but we didn't get people on base. Corbin Carroll's not running. No one's running. No one's even getting on. So it's, it's, it's the offense production. It's nothing's happening. We're, we're looking fooled. We're taking third strikes looking you know, where, where, where's, where's all the sack bunts at? Where's, where's all this, this type of small ball baseball that we've been doing playing smarter instead. Now we're like, Oh, everyone goes up there. And it's like, almost like they're just planning on trying to hit it over the fence to match the Phillies. That's not how we can beat this team. We can't, we can't keep up with them. The Phillies have scored 19 home runs in the postseason. versus their opponents have only hit four, 19 to four home run. That's incredible advantage. And no wonder they're kicking everyone's ass, including the diamondbacks. So it's definitely on the offense for me. I mean, if you go back, look at the recaps, I picked two, both games, one and two. I said, where's our main guys at, you know, the, the, the stars on our team are small town stars that we rely on to give us names like the answer backs and give us mottos like embrace the chaos, but no one's, no one's showing up. Yeah. And it's like, that's crazy. Cause it is kind of like, we're coming down to earth a little bit. Maybe we were overachieving because everyone even said, and we even said like, we didn't belong here. We shouldn't have made it this far to the NLCS. So it's like that perspective is always like really important, right, Mike, to understand that we weren't slated to even make the postseason, let alone be competing for a chance to go to the World Series. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it definitely helps to put things into perspective when you run up against a buzzsaw like that on the road in the first two games of a series as well, man juices were at an all-time high for philly fans you know they're standing up all the fans are out there it's 
it's a different lifestyle for those kind of sports fans. You know, guys, we got to experience some of that when we were literally in Pennsylvania uh, at the Pittsburgh Steelers game. But it's, I guess I'll go back to the one part. Remember when, you know, on a couple of our heat checks that we've done, we talk about expect cha expectations changing as a season moves forward. That can be a little bit of a motto for a playoff push. At the end of the day, yes, we weren't expecting this team to make this deep of a run. I get that. But also, I think the narrative that this team has drawn onto itself as well with the we're playing with house money. Like, I feel like that's not the right attitude sometimes to go into it, especially when you're one series away from playing in the World Series. You know, I joked with you guys the other day. If uh, Tallman knows this pretty well, man, if you sit at the table for a long enough and you go up high enough and you keep playing, guess what happens? The house makes it back and it ends up taking it back for you. So playing with house money, yeah, you're basically saying that you're expecting to lose. I get the motto. It worked to start. But once you get to the point where you have uh, one more win and you're at the final dance, like I just wish it would have stopped after the Dodgers series, right? Because then you go into the series a little bit timid, thinking you're still not up to snuff with this type of team. And it showed for the th the first two games, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And right it within that analogy, Mike, it's not like the D-backs can go and cash out. They're all in. They got they to gotta win now because if they don't win, they lose everything. But, I mean, again, perspective is important because when we're doing our season preview for 2024 – we're going to be talking about how awesome this last season was, how we exceeded expectations and how we how excited we are about this team moving forward, especially depending on what happens in the offseason. I know that's a lot could change between now and then. But Tallman, I'm I'm pretty worried about tomorrow night to be honest. We got Brandon Fott on the mound, the rookie making I think what is second or third start here in this postseason. And what is uh Tallman uh what is this humor me? For a second, Brandon Fott, what's what is he known to do? What is Brandan Fott known to have happen to him? Oh, uh, get hit hard. And get hit hard, give up home runs. Gets, when he gets hit hard, normally they go over the fence. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the <laughs> Phillies really good at doing? Uh hitting the ball really hard and hitting it over the fence. Yeah. So yeah. it's and, gonna <laughs> and what is Chase Field? What is Chase Field known it's, for being? It's a hitter's park, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that roof is gonna be closed. And yeah, it's <laughs> The odds are definitely stacked against Mr. Fat. I mean, Fox, excuse me. Um, this is going to be the biggest start, the biggest challenge of that young man's life. Absolutely. And another thing to think about, I mean, think about the last two starts he had. You know, he didn't fare very well against the Brewers. Thank God we had our bats alive in that series. We were able to come back and win that game. Dodgers, he goes four and a third gave up his second hit and the hook comes out. Lavello rips him right out real early, not playing around at all. So I expect to see the same thing. And we're going to see some of our middle relievers, our long relievers pretty quick in that game. Um, I mean, we're, they got us on the ropes in this game. You can't leave Fod out there because you know, he's going to get hit. I mean, shit, let's start a same game parlay right now. And let's pick all the Phillies to hit home runs. We're going to be millionaires. I mean, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, well, it, it's it's nerve-wracking. It is. It's going to be 
I'm, I'm nervous for him and just imagine how he's feeling. But thankfully the other thing, the thing I'm mostly wor worried about is, and I don't want to, I don't want to switch the gear, the gears here, but I'll, I'll be able to tie it in. I'm worried about how many Phillies fans are going to be there. I'm worried about if the hometown crowd is going to show up. I'm worried if, if we're not going to be able to match what the D-backs had to face in Philadelphia with all the Philly fans, if we're not going to be able to create that same environment to try to challenge the Phillies. And what would be great for to help Brandon Fott in this, the biggest start of his life is going to have that fan support, having people there screaming, cheering him on, supporting him because that playing in your playing at home or pitching at home as Zach Allen it seems to be a lot easier. And what we saw out of our two best pitchers in Philadelphia, pitching's not easy over there. No, and, and the transplant nature of Phoenix, like we don't have to beat a dead horse. Any Anybody watching already knows. It's very, it's likely, man. It's very likely. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how when the Dodgers are in town, it's all Dodgers. When, you know, Packers, whoever it is, Yankees are in town, the Cubs especially, that that stadium just gets filled with the, op the opposing team, the opposition. I could see that very well happening here, especially with as cheap as the tickets are. Um, I don't know how many Philly transplants are here. Probably a lot. I, I tend to see quite a few Eagles fans poking around. Yeah. Well, hopefully the plane tickets are too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They. But, yeah, we were talking about just taking an afternoon off living here to go to a Thursday afternoon game. Imagine buying a ticket and going to, yeah, uh, the logistics, man. It's a Oh, you're definitely looking at a couple grand at that point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean... No, I can't say that. If at, Maybe at some point in my life, if the Diamondbacks were up 2-0 in the NLCS and the game was in Philly, eh, I don't know, though. But there's two things, Tom, that you brought up that I want to touch on um, and kind of just pick your brain on. Like you mentioned, if Fott gets lit up tomorrow, especially early, and we have to pull him, put in those long relievers, I'm pretty sure game four is tracking to be a bullpen game. And so who, who gets the start there? Shikoni or Sikoni, whatever the hell his name is. Slade came in last night and only pitched like a third of an inning. So I don't think he's going to get the starting nod. Is it going to be like Sal Frank, Ginkle, Thompson? It's so hard to say. Um, it's, it's not going to be a Ginkle or Thompson. They're, they're your late guys, your setup guys. And, uh, but oh, man, it's just so depressing to talk about. Um, the, the Thursday game, I mean, I it's it's going to be a bullpen, bullpen game, absolutely. And touching on Brandon Fott, I mean, he might only make it an inning and a, an inning and a third. You know, we might see them come in, uh, our relievers, go, or you might see Torrey go to the bullpen really quick. because well, he, Just how short of a leash is he going to have, right? He's got to have the shortest, the shortest leash 100%. possible. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, yep. this is – we can't lose this game. This is a must win for us because if we win that game tomorrow, it – resets the entire series you know but i mean come on going down oh three or bringing the series to you're down one two so it's it's very monumental it's going to shift how this series plays out so the leash is going to be extremely short thursday i don't know if i had to guess um i mean whoever starts that game they're only going two innings tops i mean i, I would imagine only two innings um i wouldn't be surprised if it was ryan nelson um or or Sacconi. I mean, Sacconi only pitched a uh, pitched an inning. He's going to have two days off if he doesn't go tomorrow. So you could definitely see him on Thursday as well. But no matter what it looks like, it's it's not going to be not going to be pretty for us, and it's not going to be easy uh, for this team to overcome. No, absolutely not. But you're 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 so right. If two one is definitely more tolerable than three zero, three zero, we're almost certainly 
out of it, right? Um, and on top of that, if we can win these two at home, it completely resets the series and just makes it a, a little three-game series. Does it go 1-1-1 one, one, one at that point? No, it's 2-3-2. Two, two. Yeah. So we have two, three, Thursday, two. Oh, Friday, okay. Saturdays, all at Chase Field. Oh, so we have three in a row potentially. Yeah, so okay. even if we win three in a row, we still have to find a way to win a game in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, and clearly, clearly that's – that has not been easy. It's, I hope Tori Lavello gave them boys a hell of a speech. Um, you know, he seems to be good at the victory speeches. Hopefully he's good at the, the loss speeches too. I mean, hopefully they're just writing yesterday off as a mulligan. Uh, we were very much in that game on, was it Monday or Sunday, whatever game one was, uh, that game got a little messy early, but we found a way to get shit going again in the middle. And that just never happened yesterday. Nothing, nothing got going. And, I just hope this team can find a way to loosen up a bit and look a little more comfortable out there. Cause I think that was one of the big things I was telling you guys is I just think the Dimebacks look totally uncomfortable out there and the Phillies look completely settled in. Like they belong there. Um, Mike, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, but that exactly speaks to what this Phillies team has been through. You're talking about a team that was in the world series just last year and very tenured guys. I mean, Kyle Schwarber won a World Series in 2016 with the Chicago Cubs. The guy has been horrible pretty much all season, hitting, what, 197 in the postseason? And what does he do? Spanks three home runs to start this series. Because he's comfortable, right? He's in it. He's a guy who's been through the ringer. I mean, what, half of our starting lineup is 23 years old or younger? It's a first experience for a lot of these guys, and that – is something that you have to get used to. And they just showed that they weren't ready to step up in that moment. I mean, it's different in a championship series than it is first round wild card series, right? Because that's anything can happen. Shortened series, man, anything can happen. We saw we saw specifically against the Dodgers. But when you got to stretch it out and you got to get four of these damn things in a seven game series, it comes down to the teams that are truly built. And man, for not even, we don't have a fourth starter, guys. We are so behind the eight ball just from that, right? I, you guys have done a good job of touching on oh, the, the scaredness that honestly we should have as Diamondbacks fans for what might happen these next two games, especially game four with that bullpen series. Because thankfully, our big arms haven't really had to get in there at all, right? But you also don't want to expend them just getting back into the series and then have them not ready to go if we need to take this to six or seven games. So cross your fingers, baby. Yeah, Tori already came out and he said, no, uh, they're not. he's not pitching Merrill or Zach on short rest. So he came out and said that, I think, today, earlier today. So we, we got to find a way to win so that we can see those two guys pitch again. And I think that's, for me, that's the worst part about it is – if you do have to, if you are down 3-0 going into Friday and you have to do a bullpen start, that just stacks the odds against us just even that much more, where it's going to be even a, a larger hurdle to climb. Because not only will you be facing having to win four games in a row, but also not having a, star, a legitimate starting pitcher to, to try and lead you there. Yeah, I think the beautiful thing about that, too, and we don't want to look too forward, right? But it also puts things into perspective for what this front office has to do in the offseason, right? <laughs> We've known about things. It seems like they shirt up their reliever situation with Paul Seawald. We'll see if they bring him back next year. But you got to add some power bats. You got to add another starter or two. 
and just continue to grow these young guys. We're ahead of the curve right now. We are, we know that. But if you don't take advantage of the glaring issues that you can see right away in front in front of you, and we come in next year with the same situation, well, then there's different discussions to be had. But you, I'm just trying to look at the positives, right? You know, what have I said? The eternal optimist over here. Yeah, optimist prime over here. Uh, but it, I think, Solomon, going back to kind of what you were saying about, or, you know, talking about how Tory said that he's not going to start Gallon or Merrill on short rest. I think he should reconsider, honestly. I think that's really dumb to not play Zach Gallon at home, especially if you're facing elimination. Zach Gallon's horrible on the road. He's much better at home. So pitch him game four if Merrill's ready. Or, yeah, pitch him game four if we are still in it. Maybe have Merrill go game five if he's ready, or fuck it, you can do the bullpen game then, you know, and then have Merrill go the day after that. But I just, I don't get it, man. Like, Gallon, what he pitched Monday to Friday isn't enough rest. That's, That's three days rest, three and a half days rest. I don't know. It seems like other pitchers have done crazier things in the past. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's no question when it's October baseball, right? I mean, you go all in, all in because, if you don't make it through tomorrow, if you don't win tonight, there's no tomorrow, right? So I, I get what you're saying, right? You'd you'd want to see them be aggressive and say, hey, we gotta we gotta win, we gotta keep ourselves in this. But either way, you flip it, man. I mean, we're gonna need somebody that's not Zach Gallon or Merrill Kelly to win a game for us. So it's whether we have our two best guys fresh and rely on those younger guys, a fought and whatever whatever pitching masterpiece Tori puts together a game four. We have to rely on those guys either early in game three or four so that we have our best guys fresh if we get to a, a five or six, or you stretch those guys out and exhaust them, and then you don't have them on the tail end. I don't want to see Slade Zaccone start a game in Philadelphia. I'll have a heart attack. You know, like, so I mean, I, I get where he's coming from um, in a sense of, you know, he's keeping saving those guys because if we get to a game five, or game six, we're going to need them more than ever because I don't want to see anyone else start a game in Philadelphia unless it's Gallon or Kelly. And I, I think that's maybe what Tori's going with. But, I mean, either way, someone else is going to have to pitch a good game and give us a chance to win. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great point. As bad as, I mean, because my, my main point there was that Gallon is horrible on the road and he got lit up in his in his game one appearance. But – you're right. There's no guarantee or really not any promise for a reliever doing any better coming in in that kind of situation, especially high pressure facing elimination. Does it change? But does it change anything, Mike? In, if you're Tori Lavella, step into the shoes of Tori Lavello. Does it change anything or you're thinking about possibly starting Gallon if we lose tomorrow? If we're 0-3 for game four, do you still just roll the dice with the relievers or do you revisit that Gallon conversation? I mean, selfishly, if I'm in his shoes, I'm rethinking that situation because I'd love to get a win. Like getting swept anytime is demoralizing, no matter if you were supposed to be there or not. So if you can give your baseball team any kind of positivity going into a game five, if you can stretch it there or cross your fingers going back to Philadelphia or wherever it is, you know, I'm going to do it. I also just think that it's so different. It's completely different times. Every time we have the conversation about guys pitching on short rest or not being ready to pitch one four seven, 
I always think back to 2001 because that's what Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling did. It was go time, man. It was time to win. You pitched on short rest. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter. There was no conversations to be had. But that's also 20 years ago, right? We're always worried about guys overextending themselves. You know, what happens if he pulls his arm and Tommy John surgery, then next season is completely gone. But I mean, for some of these guys, like we do have a young team, but Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, you could talk about Kelly, man. The guy's been all over the world pitching. He's a younger guy, but like this is his first time on this stage. If it was me, I'd be like knocking on the damn door saying, if I'm not pitching game five, then I don't know if I can be here next year. You need to trade me. But different mentalities for everybody. I also think that what they've been going through through the playoffs and towards the back half of the season, they've worked on the regimen for the bullpen game. So Toy's going to have something up his sleeve to hopefully put their best foot forward with it. But I mean, there's a difference doing that against the, you know, Boston Red Sox comparative to such a high powered offense. So that's where I stand, man. Let them, let them throw, let them throw. Let him go, man. Because, I mean, like you're saying there, Tommy John is extreme, right? And that would be worst case scenario. Yeah, definitely you know, worst case scenario. But, you know, if that's what you're worried about, sure, fine. But it's like if you're saving his arm, what are you saving it for? The off season? He can't have a, shore, a, a sore shoulder to go to Cancun and spend some time on the beach. Like, I don't know if people do that in October or November. But all I'm saying is, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I guess I get it on one hand. But on the other hand pitchers used to go on short rest all the time especially when you're facing elimination your season's on the line you're gonna have from the end of october until what march before you have to play baseball again so plenty of time for you to get fully recovered and ready to pitch again after that but diamondbacks are down but they're not out diamondbacks fans are also down and i think some of them are out but we're still here we're still going to be rooting for them uh, fellas, before we move on and talk about the Redbirds, uh, is there anything else you wanted to comment on about the uh, Diamondbacks and their postseason run here, Tallman? Uh, just we need to refocus, need to reset. Uh, we get three games in a row at home, and there's no reason why we can't win at least two of them, right? Uh, we've, we've seen them do some incredible stuff this year. I mean, they've they've shocked me the entire year, so – who says they can't shock me again, but refocus, get, get back to playing their style of baseball. And man, it's, I'm worried about the fans, dude, worried about the fans. I mean, Philadelphia fans, they put everyone else to shame, but I'm just hoping we get some pack. We get a packed stadium. We get people screaming, people that are into it. Um, that are Dimebacks fans, but that's that's really what I'm what I'm hoping for. I'm praying for that. But refocus, reset, keep it cool. We're still in it, right? No, yeah. and that was going to be my point too. Get out there, man. If you have off tomorrow, you can make your way out there. You got a little bit of extra scratch. Get out there and support this team, man. I love everything that Tallman said on our recap last night as well. Go crazy, man. Have some fun with it. The biggest thing, too, I mean, I think back to the 2021 NBA Finals 
uh, when we had the opportunity to go to that game, I jumped at it because these are just situations where you don't know when it's going to happen again. Not saying that this team doesn't have a bright future and we're building something here, so there should be more opportunities. But damn it, we just don't know, man. So if you got the ability to get out there, I mean, 13 bucks, 14 bucks, row 16 in the upper level, man, you'll be rocking and having a good time out there. Get out there. Go support this team. I endorse that 100% wholeheartedly. And there's a lot you can do up in that upper deck, right, Tallman? <laughs> All right, all right. No comment. No comment. comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not story time, guys. The Arizona Cardinals are one in five. Hilariously enough, their one win has come to the Dallas Cowboys, which I think was like four days before our last live stream when Mike and I were chatting with uh, Nico. Had a good stream there, doing a roundtable. But since then, they've lost to the Forty Niners, the Bengals, and the Rams excuse me, and they have been outscored 45 to 95 in those three games. I don't want to maybe say, like, I'll open up the floor to you guys because I know Cardinals have been a passionate topic for uh, for you fellas, but is it just that like we were overachieving when we beat the Cowboys and when we were looking a little bit good? I don't want to say good, but competitive earlier this season. I mean, only lost by four to the Commanders, lost by three to the Giants. And then everything has just unraveled since then. Yeah, I mean, so to start with the Commanders, we played an awful football game against an awful team, against an awful opposing quarterback. So the Commanders, we what? how many turnovers did they have in that game? They, they were terrible. And then you turn around to week two, we were able to put together, we, you know, we progressed. But uh, against the Cowboys, I mean, I you, you wanted to hope going against the Cowboys and how um, – how uh you know highly ranked and how strong their defense is um but of course Dallas fans out there well we didn't have uh we didn't have digs whatever with the hit the cornerback that went down but i think that was just a case of you know it's 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 the nfl man i mean any given sunday i think the cardinals went out there they caught the cowboys sleeping the cowboys thought they they could stroll in here and uh against the cardinals and just you know, sleepwalk their way to a W and the Cardinals hit him in the face. You know, it's the NFL. These are professional football players. And I think it was just the Cardinals day uh, that day. And the, the Cardinals flat out outplayed them, you know, outperformed them on the field and took, uh, took away a W. But then you see him come after that big win where it's just been downhill. So um, I think Sunday was, what would you call it? An anomaly. Um <laughs> But I, I don't know. It's I think it's a reality check. This is a total reality check. This is where the Cardinals should be. And it was great watching him to start the season. But that win against Dallas was great. It was awesome as a fan to watch that because fuck Dallas. But I, I think we, we've settled down the reality check. It's all settled in. And, and we're right where this team, talent-wise, don't care what anyone says on Reddit, talent-wise, this team is where it's supposed to be in the win-loss column. Say it again, Tallman. Both of it. Reddit, you don't know what you're saying. And fuck the Cowboys. No, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Dude, it's also funny, man. What else does the NFL stand for? Not for long, right? I mean, Josh Dobbs comes in and struggles against the Commanders, turns the ball over a couple of times, has a better showing against the Giants. Overall, the defense 
folded and we couldn't move the football anymore in that second half. And then it, we hit the, the high point of beating the Cowboys. Anytime you can beat the Cowboys, it's a great day. And then two weeks and now we're calling for Josh Dobbs head and everybody is celebrating and, and jumping into the pool of victory because Kyler Murray is practicing again. That's, that's just how it goes, man. It's just the roller coaster of a season as well. And we hit the high and we're back down. The dip is here, right? We're, we're at the bottom. Man, that showing against the Los Angeles Rams was catastrophic in many ways. The turnovers came through once again. Cooper Cup, who's back just for a second game, has 150 yards. We give up 150 yards on the ground in the second half alone. Like it just all decomposed in front of our eyes right now. But we got a breath of fresh air and some hope breathed back into our, our lungs as fans since K1 practice today. And it sounds like Buda Baker's going to be back soon. And I know we're probably going to touch on it, but I, I can't agree more with what Tomlin said. This, this is exactly what this team is, and this is where we kind of expected them to start the season. I wish we had a list of our picks because I don't remember if I was one and five or two and four at this point, but I know we got to be close because we didn't have that many wins, anyways. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely very close. But hey, we're not the worst team in the NFL. Look at that. But I we we surprised some people though. You know, we came out a lot more competitive than people thought. And that's a good thing because you can see the new the new cultures settling in good. They're building a good foundation. But it also kind of took us out of the possibility of even having a solid chance at the number one overall pick next year. So it's it's good and bad. We're starting. You got a good foundation, good culture. I mean, the coaching staff is proving to be good. It's not resulting in more wins, but that's not what this team needs. This team doesn't need more W's. It needed those moral victories that we saw to start the season. And, and then at the same time, get a top five pick because this team is rebuilding. They're not necessarily tanking and throwing games. They're rebuilding, but we need that top five pick. So I like where they're at. And I, 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 I don't think it's all that bad because we had zero expectations coming into the year. So this is not a bad spot right now for me. It's not. Uh, it's an, a real interesting dynamic, though, because after Josh Dobbs has kind of just been ass these last three weeks, and especially last week, there were immediate calls for Kyler Murray's return. And then sure as shit, we see him back at practice. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think I saw he could he could still be like his practice window open. He can start practicing, but that doesn't mean he's going to be back right away. He could still be two, three weeks out from a start. So we're still looking at, what, week 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there? Yeah, I'd be 100% surprised if he plays this weekend, right? This is his first any kind of field action in 10 months. I mean, you're not going to be able to go for practice. Today's Wednesday. What, practice for two, three days, get some film, and be ready to go on Sunday? No. I mean, it's going to be closer towards the time frame where we thought, right? Week 8, week 9, week – week eight to week 10 time frame. I think it's 21 days after you come off of IR, you have to play within that time frame or you get put back on it. I might be wrong, but that's kind of the same thing with Buda Baker, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Buda plays this weekend uh, after his hamstring injury. That should be good to go. Yeah. Buddha's tough as nails, man. He's always just ready to get back out there. He's, we saw that a couple times last season where it's like, Oh, bad, bad Buda Baker injury. And then he was out there the very next week. I'm not saying Tyler Murray, 
Tyler Murray. Kyler Murray isn't tough. He is. Obviously, he wants to be out there, but it's a different, a little bit different dynamic. Your franchise quarterback versus your franchise strong safety, I guess. But is he strong safety or free safety, Buddha? He's strong. Don't matter. Same thing. <laughs> uh, they're so interchangeable nowadays. Yeah, I mean, Core's like playing nickels, safeties are coming into the box. Like, who cares? They label him a safety. That's oh, what safety. it is. That's fine. There you go. Well, he's the safety. <laughs> yeah, especially with like all the different schemes and everything there are these days. But yeah, no, getting those two guys back are gonna be huge. But like in, in talking about that, it could it like with Kyler coming back, like it's a double-edged sword, right? Because we like you said, Tallman, we do want to tank, get one of those top five picks. But if Kyler comes back and we're still a kind of a competitive team, if he brings us up a level, are we looking at a five, six win team here? And then we're right in like the lower middle half of the league when it comes to draft picks. We could be looking at a top ten pick instead of a top five pick. Not not a horrible position to be in, but not able to get one of those potentially generational talents. Well, yeah. So, I mean, Kyler coming back, I mean, it's a immediate jolt into the, into the bloodstream for this team and for the fan base too. I mean, I mean, how many more times can we watch Josh Dobbs go out there on Sunday and just have zero accuracy and fumble the ball? I mean, it's, so Kyler coming back is, is exciting. There's, there's two different ways to look at it. Um, he comes back and he's competitive and we win some games. You know, I, I I think six wins might be a stretch. Um, I don't have the rest of the schedule pulled up in front of me, but I know it doesn't get uh, it doesn't get super easy. Um, but I bet you he comes back. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna take the full twenty one days. He's not gonna come back until that that Falcons game. I mean, do you want to see him start on the road against uh, against Cleveland? No, that, I mean Cleveland's got they got one of the best defenses. I mean, you just saw what they did to the 49ers this past weekend. So he's going to take his time getting back. And I mean, he's playing for his job, you know, and I want to see him come back and be competitive. I want to see him come back and see what he looks like, you know, with these, with this new offense, with the, with the new offensive coordinator, no more Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler have always been attached. So this is going to be interesting to see him come back and also to see how much he trusts, how much he trusts that knee. Cause that was, that's what made him a dynamic player was, was his, was his speed and his agility, but talking about, so say the, the Cardinals, they win five games, whatever they get, they get the eighth, ninth pick or who knows how it all shakes out. Say they get the 10th pick. Like you said, we, we still got the Texans first round pick. So we can, we can package those two. We can package whatever else we could trade up to get a guy. If we're absolutely in love with them, who I, I want the kid from Ohio state. Marvin Harrison. Um, yes. That's Marvin Harrison. I mean, could you imagine? And then if it it's it's a win-win for us. Kyler Murray comes out and he performs well, then he carries that into the next season as our friend continues to be our franchise quarterback. If he comes comes out and you know has some good stuff, and for some reason we don't want to continue with him, well, boom, we just have a here's a we have tape that says here's a reason you should trade for Kyler Murray. So he builds up his own trade stock in the offseason. So it's it's a win-win for us to see him succeed. And I'm not too worried about the draft stuff, but if he comes out and just falls flat on his face, it's, it's going to be tough. And then we're going to have some serious, serious discussions in the offseason about what this front office is going to do going forward. I mean, that's the damn truth, because how many times have we talked about how much money that kid is owed? Kyler Murray, they backed up like five Brinks trucks for that guy. And 
Oh, I know different regimes. So, I mean, Gannon and Austin Fort do kind of have their their hands tied. I think you're absolutely spot on with what you're saying there about win-win if he comes out and does well. But, man, does that really put us in a shit situation if he falls flat or if he re-injures himself, if the dude just can't stay healthy? Like, that's that's worst case, right, Mike? Oh, 100%. That's worst case. But like you said, I mean, Gannon and Austin Ford have already shown – if you're not part of this culture, man, you're not going to be on this team. I mean, they just cut Maje Sanders, who was a second round pick from 2022 from the last regime, right? The the true big piece that does handcuff him a hundred percent is Kyler Murray because of that contract. And if he does get hurt, the worst case scenario again, that's an untradeable asset that you have a lot of capital pulled into, but I do really like what Tallman or Tallman's viewpoints on the draft as well, too. I mean, they did so many great maneuvers last year, adding all of these picks. You're going to be able to package some of these and get up higher to where you might want to grab some guys. And if Kyler Murray is the guy of the future, you can look to bring in, you know, a transcendent type of player like Marvin Harrison. It's not going to be cheap. It's going to be a top three pick that you're going to have to get, but you have some assets to move. Or I think you pulled up that tankathon one, uh, Bowers from Georgia, right? The tight end. Didn't he just get hurt? So depending on yeah. where he goes, he might slip a little bit and fall to a point where we might not even have to move. And that's another guy that might be another transcendental talent, transcendent talent, I- I mean, I don't know if I want to pick a tight end because we have Trey <laughs> yeah, McBride on, and we don't, to, <laughs> well, we don't want to overextend, I mean, but we got plenty to work on with this team. But I, I just like your view on it, Tallman. We're in a good spot with the draft and we have the ability to move as we see fit. So it's a good place to be. Yeah, I think with Bowers, his draft stock being so high is just everyone's looking for the next Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey, that elite top two tight end i mean kittle is supposed to be that dude and what has he done this season not not a whole lot outside of one game so uh, what, what about his last game you guys are prisoners of the moment man. like as much as i hate to say it kittle has been an incredible tight end for five six years at minimum like he's been great like Am I not allowed to talk up 49ers players on this podcast? No, no Michael. I'm not, try- I'm not no. trying to. I'm just We're trying to. to I'm trying do you to tell me how good DK Metcalf it. is? How about you? How about you talk about he DK had Metcalf? Some, he had some solid seasons. I thought. Am I wrong? You're not. You know right. who's better we, than? Nope, he's we, better than damn Andy Isabella, who ain't sniffing any kind of damn time on any team in this league. <laughs> is is this the time where we pull up Brock Purdy's brother's high school football stats? Chuba. <laughs> We need Chubba. Oh, I we saw a real. Leave the I high school real... stats in high school. <laughs> yeah, the high. Well, all right, no. So now we're gonna talk about high school football, guys. Have you kept up with what Pinnacle is doing lately? Just listen to AZ Sports Radio on Saturday if you want any of that. We're not bringing you that content. I'm oh, sorry. It's awful on Saturday. Oh my god. <laughs> well, it's even worse when they're interviewing like the Mountain Vista girls volleyball team or yeah, something. Right. Like, She's like, we're doing it's a so car mean. wash this weekend, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> okay, we need. That's we are getting. I, uh, I was about to go in on. Yeah, right. Was, high school sports. No, I but impersonated a, a minor. I was gonna. You guys got my gears turning here. I, I did have to mention. Um, I saw a pretty mean. Uh, like I guess you could call it a meme 
of Brock Purdy, where it's basically like without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, he's just like a mediocre quarterback, which I don't think is fair. I'm like, come on, Brock's not that bad. He's he's he can slay. We've I've seen him drop some dimes all over that field, not just to Debo. So Dude, yeah, Chuba. He he lost both of them in the game last week, and he drove them down the field and gave him a chance to win the game with a 40 yard field goal. The kid can play quarterback. If anyone's out there and says he can't, they're not watching those games. Their their team's not in their team's not the Cardinals because we've already watched the 49ers play the Cardinals. So we've we've seen this kid play. Like they're not watching him. He's a great quarterback. Yeah. And and speaking about great quarterbacks, we're also talking about the draft. I heard you guys floating around Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name, but I didn't hear either of you mention Caleb Williams. Have you seen the latest headline that's come out in the last uh, couple days? Please give it to me. So Caleb Williams, um, his I don't know if it was him directly or his camp. Uh, a couple outlets have reported it. He apparently wants, as part of his rookie contract, to have partial ownership of the team that drafts him. That's a condition of drafting Caleb Williams. Is that the most bonkers shit you've ever heard? So this is what's happening right now. I think he really is in the camp of, oh, man, I don't want to go to any of these teams that really suck that where I should be picked, which is a top three pick, probably consensus number one overall. So let me just make up this absolute nonsense because, guys, he shouldn't go back to college. He should come out and be drafted and play in the NFL next year. I don't care what kind of money you can make. You can make the same, if not more, right away when you come into the NFL. But didn't he put the caveat of like five specific teams that he'd be okay to play with? Like the Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, the, I think, was Minnesota Vikings one of them? Do I remember that correctly? But it was like upper echelon franchises, right? that aren't going to have an option to really draft that high because they're pretty consistently either middle of the road or upper, and they're not going to be picking in a top 10 and probably not going to have the capital to trade up for them unless they trade a big asset. So if that's what he's saying, he's just trying to get out of getting picked by a, a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Houston Texans. I mean, those are two teams that don't need quarterbacks, but you know what I'm saying with that, right? I know exactly what you're saying. I is the kid delusional? I mean, his dad he, might be. He's a grow up. The NFL doesn't give a fuck where you want to go play. You get picked by who you get picked, and you'd be grateful that you got picked, even number one overall. It's incredible money. It's guaranteed money right off the bat. You haven't even stepped foot on a a fucking NFL field. That's that's crazy. That he's going to come out here and demand this and that. Go back to college. I hope I hope the Bears get the first pick. And they pick his ass, and he's got to go play in Chicago, where no quarterback has ever been able to, to succeed over an extended amount of time. But just looking at some of these guys, man, I mean, shit, Andrew Luck was the number one pick to the Colts. What did he do to the Colts? He turned that team around. Joe Burrow to the Bengals was the number one overall pick. He turned that team around. One other name on here. What's uh, Cam Newton? Cam Newton to the Panthers. Panthers sucked ass. Cam Newton came in and they kicked the Cardinals ass in 2015 in the in the championship game. So if this kid can actually ball, who cares where he goes? If it's a shitty team, a team with a bad record, go in there and show them that you deserve to be picked number one and turn turn that team around. Turn that organization into a winning organization. 
I just I can't believe how entitled these fucking kids, especially kids from California, man. He Dude, he needs to wake up. I think the other thing that's wild Pathetic. too is like, is is it because he doesn't want to live there? Like, say we were the ones who ended up with the one, number one overall pick. Does he not want to live in Arizona? I don't know. I'm pretty sure you don't have to live in Arizona the whole time. You just have to stay here for training camp in the season, and then you could go live wherever the hell you want in California or get get a little spot in Hawaii or Malibu. Like, these guys have so much money. Like, you're not in tight. You're not held down to the place that you get drafted and especially on like one-off occasions, if they want, you could just hop on a plane, freaking charter their own private jet and go over here, go to Cabo for two days. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's different, man. He's acting special. I don't know what to say, man. Like I'm at the point I'm getting some Kyrie Irving vibes. I'm also getting some crazy, like, my shit don't stink John Morant vibes, which sucks because those guys, uh, maybe I'm controversial here, but like they've made some wrong mistakes on the way that they portray themselves out to the world, but they are incredible. Like they are incredible athletes. And I'm thinking to myself here, I'm like, this guy just keeps digging himself into a hole of just thinking, I think that he's a joke by the end of the college football season. But watch, he gets drafted, we'll go somewhere and win a Super Bowl within the first three years. Like, that would be our luck, right? Like, g- give me a fucking break with some of these kids, man. Yeah, it, I'm with you, Tom. And it, it, I feel like it is kind of pathetic. It's completely asinine. Every other quarterback who's ever been great in college had to go through the exact same thing of getting drafted number one overall to the worst team in the NFL and having the opportunity to prove that you're a generational talent and you can turn around an organization. It starts with the quarterback position. So to be so entitled and spoiled to be like, well, I want to come into a winning situation because I'm a winner and all I ever do is win. Like you're like, it's like kind of like what you're saying, I think is, He's reading all the headlines that are positive about him. He's ha- he's having all this smoke blown up his ass of, oh, you're the greatest. You're the best college quarterback to ever come out of the state of California. Your shit doesn't – it just – it doesn't only not stink. It actually smells good. Your shit smells good, Caleb Williams. And he fucking buys it. And I don't know why I'm speaking so passionately on Caleb Williams, but it's – like, again, spot on. Like, John Morant, Kyrie Irving vibes where it's just like – I'm going to dictate where I go because I'm so naturally good and talented and I work hard. So I deserve it. It's like, no, nothing's promised. And to your point, Tommen, why not be the number one pick, make a shitload of money. And then when your rookie contracts up, you can go wherever the hell you want. So I don't know. I just, that rubbed me the wrong way. And I think like, that's going to, that I could see that rubbing a lot of teams the wrong way when it comes down to draft time. Cause if this is already starting now, when we're only halfway through the college season, how's he going to be as it gets closer and closer? I mean, you look at the top 10 potential draft picks right now. Does he want to go play in Chicago, Denver, New York, Arizona, New England, Minnesota, Tennessee? I don't know. Those aren't at- attractive options. Does he really think he's going to slide to like the 20th pick or some shit? I just don't get it. Yeah, it's it's like I said, man, he acted special. I don't know. I think the other thing, too, is, man, he's like he should be. He's probably starting to scare teams away in leadership qualities as well, because it's me first mentality. It's 
it's not something that I'm ready to invest in again. I mean, guys, we talk specifically about our own, our own team with our own car, quarterback that we're freaking praying comes back as soon as possible. And Kyler Murray, these were similar situations. Okay, not specifically, but we were worried about his leadership qualities, right? Is he stepping out in front of the room and saying, take my hand, I will lead us and take you to the promised land. A guy who wants to have ownership in a team is just literally worried about himself and his own future. So that's a major red flag. And I, we, the day has changed, fellas. We know this. The day has changed with power to the players. And it's just hard to see where the line is. And it's going to be a continuous conversation that people who watch sports and who are involved and specifically front office people in between players, there's going to be guys who push the envelope and see how much they can get away with until it finally cracks. And then we get the next guy who does this, right? And pushes it a little bit more then he, then that person gets it. And then before we know it, guys have to have 50% ownership of the team. If they get drafted first overall pick, like, <laughs> it's well and where does it stop right because then well, that's what i'm just, saying the right? players just own the team then and the owner is just like all right yeah it's your team i don't i don't and need the, to run the operations I, or I, do anything else and i think there's ways to give incentives to players that are different than what it used to be like you gone are the days of us just sit, sitting here and saying well you got paid millions of dollars shut up and be happy with it like I mean, guys who are faces of the franchise change, change cities, change franchises, change cultures as a whole. So there's got to be a way to find something there. But for a guy who has never played a down in the NFL to ask for compensation to be an owner, like maybe that could be a conversation that you could talk about down the road. Like who might fit within that like Patrick Mahomes man like the Kansas City Chiefs for years and years either than Super Bowl three or whatever didn't win anything and now he's won them two Super Bowls within his career I mean down the line after his 10-year contract is up then maybe you have the conversation about giving him ownership equity after all he's done for your franchise especially if they continue to be at the top of the AFC East like but to start off, that's just wild. It's wild. Well, I'm sorry, I went on a rant. I'm sorry. I guess like maybe maybe there's a way to do it. Like, cause you know what what is partial ownership? How much partial ownership are you looking at? Because if you look at the valuations of these NFL teams, I think the Bengals are the lowest, and the lowest is three point five billion dollars is how much the Bengals are worth, and I think the Cowboys are the the highest at like nine billion dollars. So. When you're like you're you're you get your incredible salary compensation in lieu of not having ownership. It's like you are being paid millions of dollars. And you're right, Mike. It isn't it isn't the days anymore of like be happy with your million dollars. And it's easy for average Joes like us to sit here and be like, oh, we're working nine to five, making not making millions of dollars, and you're you're making millions. But they, it's there's levels to this. There's levels to everything, right? So people who have five million dollars in the bank are jealous of the people who have ten million in the bank who are jealous of people who have a hundred million, 500, you know, it just, it just goes, it goes, it's like they're different lifestyles, the higher you go up. And, and, and I, I think my point is like, I do kind of take that average view, average Joe approach of like, 
how much, how many millions do you need to be comfortably well off and be able to take care of your family? And I know it's not about that. It's like, I know, I think in Caleb Williams' mind, he knows what his value is. In any player's mind, they think they have a certain value. They obviously bring value to the team. I mean, Tom, I'm sure if we look at uh, Patriots merchandise sales in the last 20 years, as soon as Tom Brady left, it probably fell off a cliff. But I don't know, man. All, All that to say that I just don't know where where it goes like if, if you're talking about like okay you get 0.5 percent ownership or 0.005 percent ownership okay sure i guess you're a part owner but like what does that translate to do you get like payouts i don't know i don't know i just think i just think it makes the whole situation more convoluted than it needs to be like it used to be like oh i just want to be the next highest paid player like every time a new quarterback gets a contract it's the, the highest paid the highest paid like with any position so it's like bro just get into the league and in five to 10 years, you'll be the highest paid quarterback ever. You'll have like a $800 million contract for five years or some crazy bananas amount. And it's like, is that enough? Is that enough, Caleb Williams? Is $600 million in your career enough? Or do you need, you need ownership? You need to have that B at the end of your bank account. I got one last comment on this because we're just beating the shit. Yeah, we're going long. Yeah, we need to um, How much do you think, because obviously it's, he, he only cares about, the money, right? He doesn't care about legacy. He doesn't care about winning a Super Bowl. You know, he doesn't, he wants to go somewhere where it's going to be easy and he can float along and, you know, not have to put in the hard work to, you know, be successful. But how, how much do you think these NIL deals in college are playing into this? I looked it up. Kids already got $5 million and he's, he's in, he's a college, he's a college student, right? A student athlete with $5 million. I mean, look at all the Wendy's commercials that kid's done. I mean, he's coming out. I mean, is is a $30 million rookie contract for going first overall that exciting to him? You know, and it's it's just, it's terrible. I mean, that's that's a different, I've never looked at it that way in the sense of these big college athletes coming into the NFL. I mean, they're already millionaires. I mean, and yeah. he made that, that con, I mean, he made that comment already, right? He basically said, well, I mean, if, if it doesn't work out for me and if it's not the situation I see fit, I can go back to college because I'll make more money there. That's great. Make your money if you're a high profile enough athlete. I get it. But also, like, don't you want the national, like, more of a national stage, the next step, a world stage? Because what happens if you are successful at that? Then the world comes to you, not just the United States, not just Wendy's. Right, <laughs> then you could, well, then you could start getting different, uh, different cultures involved, people from around the world loving you, and that money. If you are successful enough of, of an athlete, that money will come in droves more than it would at USC. Like, well, I, it, it's I there, yeah, there's just so many layers to it because I mean you're you're absolutely right, and then we can play the what if game, and like you mentioned with play in gallon when we're talking about the Dimebacks. what if Caleb Williams goes back to college and has a catastrophic injury and then he never makes it to the NFL were those couple extra million that important to you when you could have maybe I mean you could say the same thing like he could get drafted first round play NFL game the same thing could happen but it's almost it is a risk at some point to to gamble on it like that and I just think like, yeah, sure, Caleb Williams, you're worth a lot with the NIL and all these sponsorships you have, but consider the platform. Without college football, without the NFL, 
like, dude, you're just a college student going to be an accountant or something like, and then you're not making these millions and millions of dollars. So like to ask for partial ownership, it's like, no, we're giving you the platform to make your millions, not only in your contract, but with your endorsements. Cause without the brand, without playing for the NFL, you're not going to get a deal from Nike. You're not going to get a deal from Wendy's cause you're just another guy, but the NFL gives you that platform to be a star play for their team. And yeah, you can look at all these billionaire owners and be like, Oh, they're greedy. They're getting all the money, but it's like, yeah, cause they're, risking their capital up front to get the product out on the field. But I don't want to get into a broader conversation about capitalism and political shit. Oy vey. You know what? This is my last thought on it. I'm done with Caleb Williams, man, because my blood pressure is just too high for a guy who's probably not ever going to come here because we're going to win some damn games when Kyler Murray comes back, baby. Let's fucking go. hey and I hope we see Kyler Murray sooner rather than later. And it's crazy we ended up going on like a 15-minute tangent on Caleb Williams. But, man, there's just not too much to be excited about with the Arizona Cardinals right now. I'm going to keep tuning in every week. We're going to keep doing our recaps. But, oh, these seasons are tough, man. It's like it's, it's you know, on one hand, no expectations. It was fun. If they lose, it's like, yeah, I expected that to happen. If they win, it's like, fuck, yeah, we got to win. But just one game at a time for this season. And uh, I hope that we can keep this competitive spirit and this culture building going so that we can start to be competitive another couple years down the line. Fellas, about an hour into this show here, what do you say we talk some Phoenix Suns basketball? Oh, let's do it. Oh, man. Right around the corner. Been looking good in the preseason. And, Mike, this is the ever-changing Suns team. Like, holy shit. From... Seven months ago to now, the way this roster looks is just absolutely flipped upside down on its head. I mean, who's left from last year? Book, Durant, Akogi. Is that it? Saban Lee. Oh, Saban. Oh, there you go. Damian Lee. I think it was six total guys. And then Ish Wainwright? Ish. Okay. And two of those guys are hurt right now. Damian Lee just had meniscus surgery. and uh, Did he really? Ish has been out for a while, too. Well, then obviously the the big news, I'm sure everyone knows by now, DeAndre Ayton traded to Portland for Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, was it Nazir Little and Grayson Allen? Gra- Grayson Allen, favorite. that's right. I was thinking Portland. Honestly, I, I'm honestly pretty excited for Grayson Allen. He's been looking pretty, pretty solid. He can knock down the spot-up threes. He can drive the lane. He's a lot taller than I think he presents. Uh, and not a not a bad defender either. So I, I expect him to be in a in an eight man rotation without a doubt. Big time, man. I mean, it's just another weapon on offense that this team has. You know, some of the conversations that we've had to start from people before they even got on the floor was how is this defense going to work? I mean, but when you score seventy six points in in the first half, I mean, <laughs> most of the time you're going to outscore guys, so you can get away with some things. I mean, it changes once it comes down to the playoffs, but. Chris, this is just going to be a different brand of basketball because of all of the new people and the good problem that we have, which is some new guys that are really trying to fight within this lineup. I mean, on Monday, Jordan Goodwin, a guy who we thought might be kind of on the outside looking in, six steals, eight rebounds, like just doing the dirty work, basically fighting for time. Chemezi Metu has been solid as in that backup role at the 4-5 as well. He showed some stroke outside. 
I mean, the big three, you think about like Brad Beal, he only shot two for seven, but he got to the line nine times. It's different than Chris Paul's slow. Can I say decrepit? Is that mean? That's mean, right? I shouldn't say decrepit. No. Okay. We'll say <laughs> slow, slow, small stature going inside, mm. not really getting to the foul line. Like I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, boys. Like I can't. Now, when I was saying I wasn't sure if I was ready for Suns basketball, now I'm looking at all this. I'm like, I can't, I can't wait anymore, man. Next Tuesday cannot come fast enough, man. Man, I, I can't wait. I'm gonna be tuning into that first game. I think it's a 7 p.m. tip on TNT against the Golden State Warriors. So some storylines there right from the jump. Uh, very, I thought Chris Paul would have been moved by now, to be honest. I did not think he would be on the opening day roster for the Golden State Warriors. It's, I, I, I can, I can appreciate what Chris Paul did for this team, but I'm not sad that he's off this roster and Brad Beal, man, like you mentioned there, getting to the line still has some pep in his step, uh, probably eight years, at least younger than Chris Paul. And now we have the versatility of him and Booker in the backcourt who can, they can push the tempo. They can move the ball. I mean, did you see that play where uh, Beal like drove the lane, went up with his left and then like did a little loop around pass, dumped it like crazy. Like I am very excited to watch this team. And Tallman, when you're, you know, at your desk next Monday, you're looking at DraftKings to put together a same game parlay for that very first Phoenix Suns game. How likely are you to put a bet for 25 points Beal, 25 points Durant, and 25 points Booker? Are you? Are we going to see Ooh, that? No, not. I don't know about 25 for Beal. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not. Maybe maybe either. 15. Maybe 15, 15 for right. Beal. 15, 15 17, I, That's the money spot. Yeah, I just I totally forgot about that. God, I lost so much money on basketball last year. <laughs> Fuck. All right, I'm going to do it again. Um, <laughs> It's always those one that one leg, like, damn it, Draymond, why couldn't you yeah. get a six three bound? Exactly. Or they do a stack correction at the end of the game and you get fucked. I mean, God, that happened to me one time last year. Only okay, only once. But <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I mean, Mike, what you said 76, 76 points in the first half. I mean, shit, I heard that they scored like 41 points in the first quarter. I'm like, what? It's just the the firepower on this team is is going to be so exciting, just just to sit there and watch and be a fan of. I mean, I this is the most excited I've been for a Suns basketball season in my entire life. It's the depth is there. It looks it's a whole new different. It's a whole new team, right? But God, is that big three just going to be just so incredible to watch? I'm stoked, and I'm sure you guys are stoked, and the rest of the city stoked to see the season start. I think the most exciting thing about this too, when you talk about the big three is it already seems that Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal understand that Devin Booker's the top dog guys. Like he's, he's the go-to he's the one that you want to have set the example and then everybody else follow. And to have those guys as a two and three, I mean, top five guys at their positions in each, like, and that fall in line, that want to be a part of it, that understand that basketball is a team game and you have to pick up spots where other guys aren't ready to go. 
Somebody who couldn't do that was DeAndre Aiden, and now he is in Portland. Did you guys see his uh, – oh, man, I, I, I still feel so bad. Maybe this is just the pod where I'm – I'm making the the comments where I'm gonna be digging my grave a little bit too much. But Do did it. you see did you see DA not want to answer questions about coming back to Phoenix and basically just writing it off completely? And then he gets a mixed kind of uh crowd reaction when he finally comes in, stinks it up like he normally did, or not stinks it up, just like averaged it up. That's that's the best way to think about it. What'd you guys think about DA not making any comments? I think DA is a pussy, man. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shy to make comments that might get me in trouble, Mike. I love it. Uh, you know, fuck DA, man. I am good good riddance. Like everything we did for you, taking you number one, believing in you, t- keeping you from the Pacers, trying to develop you into something that can be serviceable in the NBA and him fighting the team every single day. I mean, bro, you have a future hall of famer on your team in Kevin Durant, and you're not trying to learn from him. You're not trying to become a student of the game like him. And you got Devin Booker, who is on his way to being a future hall of famer. If he can pad his resume some more, maybe get a championship. What are you doing, bro? Like so unserious. And he didn't even play because the Blazers and the Suns played back to back, one in Portland, first game in Portland, second game in Phoenix. DA didn't suit up for the game in Phoenix. Now that might not have been his decision. That could have been what Chauncey Billups. Is that the coach of the Trailblazers these days? That might have been his decision. But it, Mike, you and I were talking about this last night. Uh they went up on the it was like in the second quarter or the beginning of the first quarter or something. The Suns PA people put up a uh, welcome back DA on the jumbotron and it was like a mixed bag of booze and indifference. Like I don't think Suns fans are mourning the loss of DA. I, a part of me, I'm, I'm I let go of it. I'm, I'm going to preface it by saying I let go of it, but a part of me did want to see what Deandre Ayton could have done with the roster, the way it's assembled with a new head coach in Frank Vogel, how he's supposed to be able to unlock centers and how much we heard about how he was going to get him involved. We all know that him and Monty Williams did not see eye to eye, him and DeAndre Ayton. But God, I just, I fucking hate that guy. I'm sorry. Tallman, you got to take this. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to, supposed to do, Colin Pussy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double down. Double down. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, no, I mean, I don't, it just shows his immaturity. I mean, and then on the other side, it might be a little too soon. I mean, you don't know what happened behind closed doors or how his exit was or if he's feeling some type of way. Obviously, he's feeling some type of way. But, I mean, shit, this this is still very fresh. And for him to be subjected to it, I mean, it was going to come, right? I mean, you would hope he would have taken the high route and said, you know, like Phoenix has molded me into who I am today or gave me the chance, you know, like you said, took, took him number one overall in that draft when we could have probably – had a very dynamic player if we didn't pick uh didn't pick Aiden. But I mean I'm with you guys. It's it's good riddance. I mean you could say that over and over again and it's someone it's the Trailblazers problem now. It's not ours. And and it's it's great because he didn't want to be here. We don't need him. Look at what this team was able to flip flip him into to create some incredible depth. And he wants a bigger role and he's not going to get that here in Phoenix when you have 
I mean, do you have the top three players on your team are superstars? I mean, it's, it's what it is. This is a super team and we're probably going to be the most hated team because we are such an incredible super team, but let's go. It's, it's, I, I'm just going to say fuck, fuck Aiden. Well, I think the last thing I want to say about it too, is I, I don't know what the sun's media department is doing flashing welcome back already like we're less than a month than him just being traded like people are still marinating in this situation either a upset that he's gone or a upset that he was never able to be the player that we thought he could have been like it's not time to welcome him back with open arms right that's why you're getting these mixed emotions people are booing him because they hate him because he fought with everybody it seemed like and then people are clapping him because they miss him like you do that in the regular season like we needed some time so i i didn't like that i'm just glad i wasn't there because then i wouldn't have to pick a side which probably would have been booing so you know what i'm saying like wrong wrong time read the room Right? Exactly. Read the room, especially like you said, like we're saying, he's ha- been making these comments in the media, not commenting, being wishy-washy. Okay, let it breathe. Let him get going with his new team, build some memories there, get comfortable. And then when he's in town for the regular season, then thank him for his time here. You know, they're just trolling him, man. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> they're trying mean, to make him feel like, I mean, I'd be like hey, right let's, yeah, let's. Let's do a welcome back, DeAndre, and how funny would that be? I mean, I just, I honestly incredible. just, I just think it's the new age of um, how teams manage their media, social media, their image. It's like these, I, I feel maybe it's not fair. It's probably not accurate, but I feel like a lot of times these people who put together these graphics and do the media stuff, they're not always necessarily the biggest sports fans. You know, they just, they have a degree in, uh, whatever that makes these things and they're really good at it, but they're not necessarily the biggest sports fan and understanding the nuances and things like that. And also along with it, probably not even being their decision. They just get the orders down like, Hey, throw together a tribute for Deandre Ayton. The the manager's telling them that I also love, like it kind of makes me laugh too, where it's like, we get a thank you to Monty Kamara social media posts. Like this works exactly into what you're saying. The guy didn't play a single game with us, dude. Thanks for like, Summer League 2023. Don't, don't oh my God, thank the, you. The Summer League doesn't count as a thank you because the Summer League is to see if you're even going to be an NBA player. Like it's not a it's not a thank you worthy. Did we do a thank I, you I for the it. guy that we traded two days after he said he was really excited to be on the team? Uh, I hope not. I'm pretty sure we didn't. But like... So those are, I'm with you, man. Those are some of the head scratchers. I get it because especially we drafted Tamani and we traded him away and he was with the organization for what, at the end of the day, a couple months, but it's still like funny. It's like, I don't know what we're really thanking him because we're the one who gave him the opportunity and he didn't produce anything for us. Yeah. He should be posting a thank you Phoenix Suns for drafting me post or something uh, uh, Normally, those guys are good about doing that, so yeah, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, and honestly, um, I wish Tumani Kamara all the best. I really liked what I did see out of him, and one one of the, one of the only pieces of that trade I didn't didn't like losing. But a young guy, and we're a team that wants to compete now and have players that are ready to go make deep playoff runs. So you can't necessarily bring a rookie for you, you know, along for that ride with you. So I I get it. I get it. We have, we have bigger fish to fry, bigger aspirations, but it's just funny. Like I I know we, I don't want to go too long on Deandre Ayton either, but 
I think it's funny, uh, Mike, I sent you a post that was on Reddit of like the Portland Trailblazers subreddit where just in their preseason games, they're already seeing all the things DeAndre Ayton fucking sucks at and picking him apart. And I'm just, it's kind of like a sigh of relief for me. Like, ah, okay. So it wasn't the Suns. It was DeAndre Ayton the whole time. And I know there's a whole season and adjustments and things I'm sure will be made. Him and Scoot Henderson should be a pretty dynamic one-two punch. But like we've said, even if he finds individual success, he's putting up 25 and 12 every night. Blazers aren't going to make the playoffs. They're not going to sniff success this season. They're it's... not going to sniff success. <laughs> They're not going to sniff success for the next two and a half, three years, man. I'm telling you, they got they got some pieces. They got some nice young pieces, but they're young. Unless Scoot Henderson becomes one of the best guards in the league right away, like you just traded away your franchise. <laughs> they're rebuilding, so it's going to be a while for them. Yeah, there's a Damian Lillard-sized hole in the Portland Trailblazers organization heart organization's heart right now, and that's that's a lot to fill. So I guess that's a great point to transition here. Uh, maybe take take a little, few more minutes, whatever you guys are up for. But the other big moves, just not talking about just the Suns. I mean, there's going to be plenty to talk about as the season winds up. But looking at some of these other teams out in the league that have made some moves this offseason, specifically Portland moving. Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks as part of that three-team trade. Now we got Giannis and L- Damian Lillard in the East. Are they the surefire candidate to be the Eastern Conference champion, Tallman? Oh, man. I'm going to take Mike's comment and say I'm not ready for basketball. And I'm not ready for that question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, well, well, shit. They still kept uh, the Bucks. that is. They still got uh chris middleton right and they got rid of drew holiday that was the guy they traded away yep right drew, yep. Holiday. drew holiday yep 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 yeah, yeah. Is so now cool. with the boston celtics yeah with the, the celtics so drew holiday is great great player but in a sense you replace drew holiday with damian lillard and your top three guys are now Giannis lillard and middleton so if middleton can stay healthy i mean they got they got way better with that trade, I would say. Um, I got a dog barking. Sorry if you can hear that. Um, I would say I, I would bet right now if you pull up any of the bet sites, I bet you they're favorites to win it. Definitely. I wouldn't doubt it. I don't have it right here in front of me, but yeah, they gotta be right up there. Uh it, what's what's crazy is um I was seeing something, Mike. I don't know if you saw this. I I don't know how accurate the report is. I shouldn't run with these headlines I see, but it sounded like the the Heat had a chance to get Bradley Beal, and they've come out and said that they felt that Tyler Hero was more valuable to them than having Bradley Beal would be. Is is Tyler Hero better than Bradley Beal? Uh, when he's not diving for loose balls like an idiot, breaking his hand in the middle of a playoff run, no, Tyler Hero is not better than Bradley Beal. I mean, he is younger, so that's probably where they're thinking. Um I see similarities within their game. They're pretty good playmakers. They can handle the basketball. They can get to their spots. Tyler Hero might be a little bit better of a shooter. So maybe that's where they're thinking about it, you know, with building from the outside in. I mean, you think about it, Jimmy Butler already dominates driving to the basket, and that's where his bread and butter is. So if you kind of throw in a a guy like Bradley Beal who can go off the dribble and that's the best part of his game, I would say. 
then that's where you say that Tyler Hero is better than Bradley Beal. But, I mean, guys, what what's the other thing that we've talked about plenty of times? Brad Beal's been hurt for, a, for the past couple of seasons and has just not played a lot. But, I mean, Tyler Hero has missed plenty of time, too, to start his career. I don't think he's had the same extensive injuries, but he's broken some stuff, pulled some things, and missed 20-plus games, I think. I don't have the stats up in front of me. So I think it the biggest thing just comes down to what does your team have and what's going to benefit you the most. And that's where they probably see Tyler Hero as a better fit than Bradley Beal, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you're talking about chemistry, fit, all that, uh, it's just interesting, I guess. No, I, I guess that's fair. I mean, you get Beal in a situation where he can be really the third option, but I think it's going to be like 1A, 1B, 1C, you know, when it comes to those three guys. It'll be 1A, 1B, and 2. And two? Brad's, Brad's going to take, take the backseat to the dynamic duo. Yeah, he is. But you know what? He seems to be all about it, man, because he didn't win in Washington for a long time. I know he got to the playoffs a couple times, but he didn't really see success there for a long time. Yeah, yeah, those teams with him and, and John Wall were were interesting. Um, and that's that's another thing is like when you're talking about like a two having two all star guards in your backcourt, we've seen it before, but it's different, right? Because instead of having two point guards, now you kind of have two shooting guards. So you can kind of have that flexibility where it's like, you know, positionless basketball a little bit. But I don't know, man. Overall, I'm very optimistic about it. I think there is a lot going on, and my mind is going in many different circles right now. I mean, shit, guys, we've already done three different recaps this week, and it's only Wednesday. Now now a live stream. So Valley Sports Plug, man, we are cranking them out. We got another recap for you on Friday and Saturday and hopefully Sunday. And then a Cardinals recap on Monday. So we're just going to keep bringing them out to you. Michael Benjamin's going to need some caffeine so he can uh, stay up and edit these videos. But, fellas, what do you say we get on out of here? Tallman, anything else you need to get off your chest as it relates to the Valley and the sports? Yeah, just uh, get out to downtown Phoenix. Make sure you secure a seat in Chase Field for tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday, and hopefully Saturday. Um, get out there and support your team. This is this is one of the biggest biggest moments in the history of the franchise. So get out there, root them on. Let's let's kick some Philly ass. You're fucking right, Michael Benjamin. What you got? Pass the outlet next week too, right, Chris? Yes, sir. We'll have our NBA season preview. We'll be diving into all things basketball next week. I'm super excited for that because we got to start ramping that up as well with the Phoenix Sun seasons underway. But, man, yeah, the only thing that matters right now is this Diamondbacks club putting their best foot forward and grabbing game three. So, Brandon Fott, we're behind you, man. Let's get it done. Man, all, all my positive energy going out to Brandon Fott. Hopefully he can have a good start tomorrow because it goes one of two ways with him, man. He's either pulled after one inning or he makes it through six or seven innings solid. And I hope it's the former and not the latter or the latter and not the former. I think I fucked that up. But you guys know what I'm saying. I hope he goes deep. I hope he has a good game. Like I said, we're going to bring you recaps of that. The Cardinals, first week of November. You'll probably see the first Suns recap or second week. Plenty of stuff coming your way. So make sure you're following us. 
at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, X.com, TikTok, and threads. And also <laughs> subscribe right here on YouTube and Facebook, Valley Sports Plug, all those directions, all those places. And we're going to be keeping uh, bringing you this content, guys. I think we're going to have a heat check podcast in person that's due in a couple weeks. So we'll coordinate that. But let us know what you guys think in the comments. You can even drop us a DM. We're small time. So we want to be here to serve you and know what you think and get your opinion. So thank you so much if you made it this far in the pod. I'm Chris Patrick for VSP Tallman and Mr. Michael Benjamin. We'll see you next time. Peace.